You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Well, it's Sunday, I think. Uh, Bart Gregory. Is Sunday? Feels like a Saturday. Yeah, I'm Charlie. It's New Year's, man. Happy New Year's. Yeah, I'm Charlie Winfield. He's Bart Gregory. It is a new year. That much I do know. And we are in the team hotel. The, what are we, in the Hyatt? The Hyatt. This is the Grand Hyatt or whatever it is. Grand Hyatt. Yes, that's it. Here in Tampa, Bulldogs getting ready for the ReliaQuest Bowl against the Big Ten opponent, Illinois. Bart, we haven't been together in a hotel lobby in quite a while. Yeah, the last time we were in a hotel lobby broadcasting a show, people meandering around, it was a festive occasion. Jonathan Papelbon was on a bar. There was a baseball team coming walking through with a big old trophy. That was a good night. Yeah, that was not a bad night at all. A little louder. A lot louder. <laughs> a little bit louder that day. But, hey, getting ready for a football game, Mississippi State, Illinois. They'll kick it off tomorrow. This is our Tracks Plus Deep Dig. We normally do this on Friday, but, hey, it's the day before the game, so we're staying on track there. Bart, I look at bowl games, and the thing that I always come back to is who cares about being in the game? Mississippi State's played 13 straight games, 13 straight years in a bowl game. During that time, I think you could argue that some Mississippi State fans have just kind of gotten over the bowl experience, don't really care. There's some Illinois people here who are very happy to be here because they haven't been – They've during that time that we've gone to 13, they've gone – this will be their fifth. Last bowl game they had was 2019 in the Red Box Bowl, which is like out in California. San Francisco, I think. And so now you've got a – group of fans, I talked to a number of them yesterday, man, they're thrilled to be at a bowl game. Mississippi State looks like it'll have a good crowd. But the question is not just do the fans care to be there, but do the players care to be there? Last year, I'm just going to be candid. I don't think our players cared to go play in the Liberty Bowl, and it kind of showed up. We had a lot of people who missed for COVID or opt-outs or Whatever. other reasons. And this year we don't seem to have that. No. No, you, you don't have, the, have to have that, and you haven't had that. And when you talk about Illinois, first of all, I mean, this is a big game for them because they haven't been to a bowl this nice in a long time. It's very reminiscent of us in 2010 when we went across the state and played in Jacksonville against Michigan. We were excited to play in a Florida bowl game. Well, they're back in Florida for the first time in a while. Now, it's been several years. They went to the Rose Bowl. They went to the Sugar Bowl, but it's been a long time. But this is a big bowl game for them and their fan base. They've got a big fan base in the state of Florida, just like every other Big Ten school. They've got the most players on their roster in the Big Ten from the state of Florida. And so when you start looking through their roster, they got a bunch of Florida guys. This is a big game to them. And so that's that's what kind of worries you. They've I, got three big opt-outs, and, they and got they've a, lost some coaches. And they've got a bunch of folks down here. Goodness. I mean, it just seems like they've got a ton of people. I, now, I may have seen every one of them. I don't know. Well, what's the thing we say? It's kind of like Tennessee. Orange is dominant color. When you see orange, it stands out. Yeah. So, But, but here's my question. What does it say to you that the starting running back, the top two defensive backs, have opted out of this game? 
Well, here's what it says to me. It's not about just those guys. When you start thinking about you know, a Thorpe finalist in Witherspoon, when you start thinking about a, a safety, when you start thinking about the top running back, but to me, their defensive coordinator leaving to become the head coach at Purdue, taking the linebacker coach with him, taking the running back coach with him. And so, you know, we talk about our situation, and it's been very interesting here. So we got a new guy calling plays against a new guy calling plays. But I think our playbook is a lot easier than theirs. I mean, our playbook's an eight and a half by 11, you or know? At least it used to be. Well, it used to be. Well, who and knows what it'll look like And you week. wonder how much of the, of the offense tomorrow really will be called by Will Rogers. Yeah, that'll be an interesting thing to see. So I'll always say who cares about the game in the SEC – some of the teams didn't care, and it no, showed up. I don't think Florida cared. I mean, <laughs> to I be, hope they didn't care. I hope they didn't care. I hope Oregon State's not a thirty to three better than they are. Yeah, Missouri got beat by ten early on. Arkansas played well early, and then just kind of fell apart with that defense in the second half, and held on to win in three overtimes against Kansas. Ole Miss didn't want to be there. I mean, I don't think they wanted to be there the last third of the season. <laughs> so, what's a third of the season prorated at nine? Oh, never mind. How about that? You know, how, how are you feeling today about all that investment you're making? I thought the South Carolina-Notre Dame was a good game. I thought both of those teams acted like they wanted to be there. That was a good football game. Played hard by both teams. They really did. And we've seen some really good bowl games this year. They've been Hey, the two games yesterday were outstanding. Michigan getting beat by TCU. How about that feel-good story? Georgia coming back last night against Ohio State, and so now you've got Georgia and TCU in the national championship game. Tennessee wanted to be there. They beat Clemson 31-14. to Kentucky still does not know that they played in a bowl game. They got beat 21 to nothing by Iowa. Well, they went and played without a quarterback, without a running back. They had a real they mess. Did. They did. Um, and played like it. But so – for the most part, Mississippi State wants to be here. Tyrus Wheat, not here. Now, before we get into us, I have not seen – I have scoured and have not seen the bowl scores for neither Auburn or Texas A&M. Couldn't find those? Couldn't find them. Okay. Been looking hard. Can't <laughs> find them. Well, I, so we talk about us. Tyrus Wheat won't play. Xavion Thomas won't play. Dylan Johnson won't play. That's all I'm aware of in terms of people who are unavailable. And uh, with Tyrus Wheat, obviously he's going to go pro. With the others, we'll – See how that sorts itself out. Um, is Illinois, as you look at them, any good? I think they're just above average. You know, they're, we talked about Missouri a few years ago being vegetable lasagna. I mean, this is vegetable lasagna. It's got extra cheese, and it just came out of the oven is what it is. <laughs> okay. I, mean, I mean, they're just they're, they're good in every area. They're, I mean, except one, and I know you're going to talk about that in a minute. But when you look at their their offense with their pass rush, with their offensive blocking, their special teams, their quarterback play, their wide receiver play, they're above average in every single – they're a steady football team. And so to me, that they're not a great football team, but they are good in every single area. And I, I would say that this year they've been exceptional defensively. They, they give up all year long, 14 touchdowns. Four, that's amazing. You think about that, 14 touchdowns that you've given up all season long. And their pass defense has been just unbelievable. But, I mean, how many teams other than Indiana throw the ball just a ton in the Big Ten? Well, in Indiana, you know, the only team that threw for over 300 yards, but it took them 52 attempts. In fact, only team that threw for over 240 in a ball game against them. I thought the thing that they didn't do well offensively was in the red zone. So this is a team, when you get to the opponent's 20, 
it, it just it just kind of grinds down on them. They've been to the red zone 50 times, have only scored touchdowns 23. So less than 50% of the time are they scoring a touchdown. And what happens to them this game, and you know that Brett Bielema is going to have a team that can run the football, but in the red zone, less than two yards per carry. Yeah. That's uh, That's been tough for them. But, you know, this conversely, year. though, Charlie, they've only let teams into the red zone 27 times this year. They played a bunch of football games in between the 20s. <laughs> they, they played a bunch of boring football so games. So what you're saying is the logo at midfield may get worn out tomorrow? May get completely worn out tomorrow. All right, so that leads me to this, then. I've got to ask you. Um, there is an NFL game taking place in that stadium right now, and I know that you're a turf guy. By training, yeah. and you've got a little experience in turf too. I don't want like to just minimize this as a degree, but this is a ball game right now. Tampa Bay either playing or getting set to play. When this game's over, what did they do to get this field ready to play tomorrow? But so what they're going to do in this game, and talking to the turf management people down here, is they will come in after today's NFL game, and they will scrape down, they will cut up the side in every area that has a logo. And what I mean by a logo, I'm not talking about the tens to the twenties. I'm not talking about the yard yard lines or anything like that. But the midfield logo and the end zone logos, and they they will scrape those off. They will reside those areas, and then they will paint over the new sided areas. That's what they did two uh, four years ago when we were down here playing against Iowa. They just took out, and you won't be able to see that whole lot of that on TV at all. Maybe if you get a ground camera, a surface camera, that you may see some seams in that area. But in today's world, it's not like it was you know, 20 years ago when you're putting out pieces of side when you have clumps up, situ- clumped up situations. These are rolled pieces of side, long rolls. They're very heavy. And it's not going to match up great. And you may see some trips on some of those areas because it's hard to get it completely flush with a regular surface. But uh, they'll paint over that area and we'll play a football game. Only the second time this season that Illinois will have played on natural grass. They've been on turf all season long. Last game against Northwestern, they played on grass. Northwestern has long grass. So this will probably be the the lowest cut grass. I assume Tampa keeps this thing cut pretty tight. Yeah, it's and an so. NFL f- facility. And so, yeah, their first – 11 games this year played on artificial turf. And that was what's funny is we were watching the Michigan game last night. Last night was the first time Michigan all season long had played on natural grass. It's un-American. It is. It's un-American. So, all right, Bart, we always on our Tracks Plus Deep Dig. By the way, we normally do this from our Farm Bureau studios in Starville. Today, as we mentioned, in our roving Farm Bureau studios, we're at the Team Hotel in Tampa. Farm Bureau, all 82 counties in Mississippi. If you need insurance, and, boy, if you lived in Mississippi over the past week, week and a half, you probably do with those low temperatures. Check out our friends at Farm Bureau. So, Bart, we normally take a look at three numbers here on this ball game, and as is our tradition, you usually start us off, so I'll hand it to you. Yeah, and the three numbers brought to you by our friends at Tracks Plus. Tracks Plus now with five locations. You got Daniel Bounds and Fred Fulton over in Columbus. Ken Crosby, Justin Ward, Andrew Harrison, Drew McGee, Casey Eccles down in Hickory. Ryan Mosley and Chad Tillman, they handle the rental service down in Hickory as well. Caleb Pounds and Gresh Howell down in Summit, Mississippi. Hoot Weems in Alexandria, Louisiana. Then over in Bessemer, Alabama, you've got Nathan George and Josh Campbell, our good friends at Tracks Plus. 
I'm going low to high today. My first number is three. And, Charlie, I think three is the number of touchdowns that we need to score in this game tomorrow. And so what's interesting when you look at this uh, defense by Illinois, they've only given up four touchdowns in a game one time this year. That was against Purdue. And Purdue is, by the way, the only team that has scored more than 30 points against Illinois. They gave up three touchdowns to Michigan State, just one touchdown against Michigan, a team that we saw yesterday put up a bunch of points against TCU. And so I think three so touchdowns. Think about that. Ten of their 12 games, they gave up two touchdowns or fewer. It's crazy. It's That's unbelievable. That's stout. I don't care what league you're in. Well, we've been, done. we've been good in the red zone. You talk about them you know, not being good in the red zone. We've been good in the red zone. we got to finish drives in this game. So I think we need three touchdowns in this game tomorrow. My first number is three. All right. it's We didn't go over our numbers, as we usually don't, but I've got one very – not the same number, but I'm coming at it from a different angle. So that will be interesting. All right. My second number is 175, and that's the number of yards after the catch in this game tomorrow that we – that I would like to see us have. I don't want to say we have to have it, but here's the thing, Charlie. We're second in the country in yards after the catch, only behind USC. But I think we're averaging like 190 per game. I'm thinking 175 tomorrow yards after the catch. And here's the reason I say we're going to come down. Because you're saying saying let's do less. We're going to do less tomorrow. And the reason we're going to do less in yards per catch or yards after the catch is I think we're going to run the football more tomorrow. And one of the things, too, yards after the catch, Dylan Johnson and Jaquavius Marks actually lead the team this season in yards after the catch because you think about swing passes, they make the catch, then they're getting down the field. Dylan Johnson, of course, not in this game. Jaquavius Marks, I think we use him running the football more in this game tomorrow than we do using him in the passing game. So I think that number comes down but I don't think he can get much lower than 175 yards after the catch. All right, so you leave me to ask something then. Basic philosophy of offense for tomorrow's game, you know, obviously is going to stay the same. If we were making a side bet here, are we going over or under our average in runs per game, and why is it over? I think we're going over. I do think we're going over. Um, I think we're going to try to establish Woody Marks in this game tomorrow. I think you're you're going to see, a, you know, I don't want to say checkdowns by Will Rogers, more checkdowns from Will Rogers. Um, I just think that uh, this team will will run the football more tomorrow. Yeah, I feel like we will, but that'll be an interesting thing to see. All right, send your third number. My third number is two hundred, and that is. We need to hold Illinois to less than two hundred yards passing. This Illinois team is only thrown. For over, DeVito's only thrown for over 200 yards five times this year. I mean, he threw for 42 yards against Michigan earlier this season. I mean, this is a situation. So, you look at the last two games. He threw for 136 against Northwestern. They didn't have to throw it a whole lot because they had the big lead. But they didn't run it that well either. That was just an anomaly for stats. Threw it for 178 against Michigan, 201 against Purdue. That's one of the five that's over 200 yards. They're just not a team that throws the ball with a lot of yards. And so I'm saying cap that at 200 in the ball game tomorrow. Mm, that's um, – Is that asking too much? Well, because I guess it goes back to the, ask the question about Mississippi State. Just turn it around and ask it the other way. Illinois, a team that is uh, obviously a good rushing team. They've had one running back. They, they haven't been balanced within their backs. They've had one guy be really good – 
he isn't playing in this ball game, does that make them throw it more tomorrow, or do they just take the back up and say it's your turn and we're going to run it more? Well, with Brett Bielema, I just think they are what they are. They're not going to turn into a passing attack in this game tomorrow. If they do, it's going to surprise me. Now, they do have a couple wide receivers that are pretty good. And the, you talk about us dink and dunk, nickel and diamond people. When I mean, you start looking at their passing game. Same thing. Man, they nickel and dime you. I mean, they dink and dunk it all over the field. So this is not a down-the-field type of passing attack. And so, you know, without Tyrus Weeds, I don't know. Does that change everything for us up front? I'm not sure. But uh, I think when you – if I'm Illinois and I look at Mississippi State, even though I've got Emmanuel Forbes on the other side, I'm thinking the best part of Mississippi State's defense is this defensive front is linebackers. And I just kind of wonder, you know, how they're going to play this. All right, so let's uh, remind us then your three numbers. It started with three. It ended with 200. What we have in the middle? 175 yards after the catch. So three, 175, and 200. All right, take a look at my three numbers. My first is two. Uh, this was kind of your three, just coming at it from a different angle. I said You said we had to score three touchdowns. Yep. I said we could only allow two. Okay. okay. And so what I came at, number of touchdowns we can allow. Illinois has scored 35 touchdowns in 12 games. 13 of those touchdowns, actually 14 if you add in some defensive touchdowns, but 13 of those touchdowns and 77% of their rushing yards have opted out of this bowl game in the form of Chase Brown. Nobody scored in the 30s against them all year. It's going to be a tight game, you would think, low scoring. Again, like you talked about, the defense hasn't given up many. And here's the, here's the stat. We're 8-0 when scoring more than 20 points. We're 0-4 when we don't. Illinois is 8-0 when they allow fewer than 19 and 0-4 when they score more. So, so what you're telling me is this, is if I'm watching this game in Dubuque, Iowa, right, I don't know how excited I am about watching Mississippi State and Illinois. Could be an ugly game. Because this football game may be in the low 20s. Could be. I mean, I, and to be honest, just looking at the numbers and everything, we may see something crazy. We may see something that 41 to 38. But I am fully anticipating this ball game where the winning team scores 24 points. And that's why I say we have to hold them to two touchdowns, give you a little little play there, a couple of field goals, and that kind of gets you to your three. You win at 21-20. All right, so two touchdowns. What's your second number? It's two again. Okay. And that's the number of sacks we can allow. In Illinois' eight wins this season, they've combined for 26 sacks. In their four losses, they've combined for two. We've allowed 26 sacks this year, so just over two per game on average. I think we hold Illinois to no more than two sacks. That tells us our running game, excuse me, our passing game, rather, is going to be able to stay on track. Doesn't get you behind the sticks. It's like when we have sacks, they, they hurt us. Well, you look back to last year's bowl game, we talked about that not wanting to play against Texas Tech and how much of that was, think about the fruit basket turnover we had on our offensive line last year at the Liberty Bowl. We had some guys playing more in that game than they had the entire season put together with snaps. Our offensive line is pretty much intact for this game. For the most, I think it's pretty much intact overall for this game. Cam Jones isn't playing. Right, Cam but Jones. Other than right. that, of course, he's been out with the injury. But other than that, you're you're ready to go. So we did have some trouble at right tackle at times during the Ole Miss game, and you start thinking about this defensive front for Illinois. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think this game may be played, <laughs> may be played in the low twenties. Yeah, so two and two, and then 
130. The number of rushing yards we can allow in this ball game. Um, Illinois is a team who likes to run the football. They're a team, though, that in the past four games has gone 153, 102, 148, 156. So they're averaging about 140 over the last four. And you say, well, you're asking to hold them under their average. And yes, absolutely. And the reason for that is they're without their best running back. They're without their star football player. If you can't force them to take a step back as a result of that, if you can't exploit that weakness just a little bit, we don't have a quarterback who's going to run on us. Shouldn't. Shouldn't. If you do, then something has gone really wild off the card there. So I think this is a ball game where you have to hold them under their average. You know, Illinois is a team, of course, and this is no surprise to anybody who's followed Brett Bielema, but – They like to control the clock. They like to control the tempo. When they run for 155 or more, they're 7-1, 1-3 when they don't. So the metric here is you want to beat Illinois, hold them under 155. Again, though, my deal is they better take a bigger step back than that being without Brown. So 130 is my number. So let me ask you this question. You brought up that point a minute ago about, about our defense. And we talk so much about us being without our offensive coordinator. Of course, Steve Spurrier is going to call the plays tomorrow, and you kind of wonder, you know, how he will be calling the plays. And how many times do we say in football that it's very tough for a head coach to be the offensive play caller because you have so many other things going on on the field of play? Zach Arnett's about to coach his first ball game. He's our defensive play caller. You kind of wonder how everything is going to be different for Zach when our defense is on the field and you know all the other things are going on. You just that's one of the things that you you have to really learn on the fly. And I think it will be somewhat instructive after the ball game for somebody to ask Zach about how he approached it defensively because obviously there's two aspects to setting a defense, right? The first thing is calling the play. The second is signaling the play. And so, you know, I don't know. I would be willing to bet that Zach Arnett's still going to be doing a whole lot of signaling in. The question, though, is how much more input is coming to him in terms of what that play is going to be. Yeah. So I I think that will be something to take note of after the game. So those are my numbers, two, two, and one, 30. Bart, now it's time for our two players on this opposing Illinois team, who'd you pick this week? Two players that can smoke you. Oh, yeah, that's right. By our friends at Two Brothers, Smoke Meats. Two Brothers, a place where I guarantee you was hopping last night, New Year's. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man. Howdy. And so the menu's outstanding. We talk about it all the time. Just the feel of that place, just going in there. It's a great, uh, it's a great bar scene. It's a great place to sit upstairs and out on the balcony. Just people watch down University Drive. It's one of the go-to places for me and my family. When we go to start, well, the food is just outstanding. Everything on the menu is good, and that's our friends at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. My first guy is this, and Charlie, my two guys have one thing in common, and the thing they have in common are both from the state of Florida, and we mentioned about how many players that Illinois has from the state of Florida. And you also wonder about, hey, I've been playing in the snow. I've been off from home. And now all of a sudden I get a chance to come back to my home state, play, you know, in front of guys, in front of family that I know. Well, you wonder if they're going to play a little bit harder because they're coming back home. My first one is the wide receiver, Brian Hightower, 
who graduated from IMG Academy just over here. Uh, he started his career at Miami. He's got 37 receptions on 54 targets, so 69% catch rate this year. The thing that uh, that he's done is when you look at average depth of target, this team does not have a big average depth of target. He's 11.6. He only has two drops on the season. Where you're going to see him is deep down the left side. He's going to line up wide on the left. 90% of the time, he's going to line up on the left. He's very good deep down the left sideline. He goes up and high points balls extremely well, but he's also 13 of 17 on catches on balls in between the numbers, between 0 and 20 yards down the field. He's a guy that can come across the middle, give you some trouble in that space and where the safeties are. And so the first guy you look for, for me, the wide receiver, Brian Hightower, He's not the leading receiver on the team, but he's the guy that can go down the field and make catches. All right, who's your second guy? Second guy is a guy from just down the road in St. Petersburg, Florida, and that's Jerzon Newton. He wears number four on the defensive side. He's a down tackle, five and a half sacks this year, ten tackles for loss, second team All-American, 55 pressures on the season. He had ten against Indiana, and that was that team that threw the ball so much. He had ten pressures in that game. He lines up in the B gap, which is between the guard and the tackle, 25% of the time. 75% of the time he's going to be over the tackle. Hasn't decided whether he's going to enter the draft or not. Second team, like I said, All-American. He's a guy that if he, if you're going to see a lot of pressure in this game, and we mentioned uh, some shuffling with, with Jones not playing in the game tomorrow, he's the guy you worry about being in the backfield, and that's number four, Johnny Newton. All right, take a look at my players. My first is number 23, Reggie Love Jr., the running back. He was the backup to Brown. Only 59 carries this year, 277 yards. 29 of his 59 carries, though, came when his team was winning by eight or more points. What does that tell you? Garbage time guy. He gets some fourth-quarter carries. Um only three receptions on the season for a total of nine yards. And, by the way, of those 59 for 277, 11 and 85 of those came in a game against Northwestern when they won 41-3. to So this is a guy who, look, four-star running back out of high school. He's respected. He's liked. He has good yards per carry. But he's, I mean, he's the backup for a reason, right? And so the question is going to be, how big a game can Reggie Love Jr. have? By the way, really interesting personal interest story about him growing up. His father was imprisoned for 12 years, and he was only able to speak with him by telephone a couple of times a week for 15 minutes, uh, reunited with him a couple of years ago. And one of those, uh, if you ever hit YouTube, it's a, it's one of those kind of touching stories about the bond they were able to maintain. Yeah, that's pretty awesome right there. Um, and my other player is Jartavius Martin, number 21. One of, one of the guys you talk about, he's a senior. He's from Florida. And so he's one of those guys who hadn't had a ton of success, at least team-wise. He's been a good player. Midseason All-American. He's going to play defensively in the slot. It's kind of like a slot corner. And he's been really good. He's very good. Doesn't miss a lot of tackles. Going back to one of your numbers earlier, he doesn't allow much after the catch. It tends to be... Catch and tackle, three interceptions on the season. So Jartavius Martin, the senior from Florida, coming back home to play the bowl, he's going to have a really big job because you don't have Sidney Brown, the safety, 
slash slot corner there to help you. He's, this is a guy who, if Illinois is to be successful, he's going to have to step up and have a big game. Well, the teams that have given us trouble this year, teams that have really good safeties, and their best safety is not playing in this game tomorrow. And so I, I look for us to try to exploit the middle of the field. Throwing the football, that loosens things up, and it goes back to the original point we made. I think that's why you see Woody Marks tomorrow running the football more because those seams are opened up up front. And I would – I'd be willing to bet we run it more. I would, too. I feel like we will, but I suppose we'll see. That's a look at my two players. So, Bart, we always kind of wind down this show. Just one more just kind of random segment, things to talk about. And I'm going to bet that you have some obscure knowledge about the state of Illinois that that you're going to bless me with. Yes, I will. Okay, so Illinois, Twinkies were invented in River Forest, Illinois in 1930. You're a big fan of Twinkies? I'm not, actually. Okay. I, I've never been a fan of Twinkies. Were you a fried Twinkie guy at the fair? No, I was not. I've never been, I mean, I'm not a big sweets guy, to be honest with you. Illinois is the largest producer of uh, pumpkins in the country. The tallest man ever documented was born in Alton, Illinois. Robert Pershing Wadlow was 8 feet and 11 inches tall. Think he could shoot some free throws? <laughs> I get a bet against that. <laughs> hey, okay, let me ask you this: Did you? Have, why is Chicago called the Windy City? You think it's well, because of the see, wind? I know that. I know the answer to this. You know the answer on. to this because you're a historian. Okay, a lot of people think that Chicago is the Windy City because, of course, sitting by Lake Michigan and the, it's always windy up there. But an article in 1893 actually described Chicago as having long-winded politicians, and that's why they refer to it as the Windy City in Chicago. So those are my Illinois facts. You know, you mentioned YouTube a minute ago. Steve Chin, the co-founder of YouTube, is actually a graduate of Illinois. Now, does he maintain, like, a connection with the university? I have no idea. I wonder if their guys get back. You know, this, that area, you talk about YouTube, that area is sometimes called the Silicon Prairie as opposed to the Silicon Valley because there's a lot of tech startups. You ever been to Champaign, Illinois? Illinois? I have. I've been on the playing surface of the football field at Champaign. You know, we play them in, what, 1980? Is that right? Yeah. Took a train up. Okay. Yeah, I've been there several times, to be honest with you, once with women's basketball. Have you ever been to Champaign-Urbana? Champaign-Urbana is where the the University of Illinois is located. A lot of farmland around that area. Eighty percent of the state of Illinois is actually farmland. And you remember – in 2002, the Chicago Bears played their entire home schedule at Memorial Stadium in Champaign because they were renovating Soldier Field. Okay, didn't know that. Okay. Or forgotten that. Forgotten that, that. Forgotten that. Well, they were not very good, so it's easy to forget. Football-wise, two big names, Dick Butkus and Red Grange, both played at Illinois. And then Irving Azoff, Ticketmaster, CEO or founder, I suppose, he is – an Illinois grad, and then Irma Phillips, probably don't know Irma's work by name, but she invented the soap opera. So what you're saying is is that uh, Illinois education with Ticketmaster is the reason they just completely just destroyed the Taylor Swift presale? Well, the Swifties were, were not very kind. not very kind to him. Hey, one last football note that I wanted to make about Illinois, and it, we talked about this a little bit in the open. These guys have really struggled to have success in the Big Ten. I'm not sure why. I don't know if – I don't know who's taking their talent. But you go back and you start looking through their coaches and you try to look for the last guy that's been successful. I think Bielema was a good hire for them because I think it's 
you know, sometimes you just have to get kind of this tougher line of scrimmage mindset. Well, who couldn't have seen Lovey Smith not working? Right, so, yeah, Lovey Smith, 10-33 and 33, as the head coach at Illinois. You've got – they. I think they set a record at Illinois for interim coaches. I'm just going to skip over those guys. Tim Beckman was 4-20. and 20. Ron Zook was 18-38. and 38. Ron Zook went to two bowl games, and he was 18-38. and 38. He took them to the Rose Bowl, right? Yeah, and how about this? Ron Turner, who preceded Zook, Ron Turner won the Big Ten, went 7-1 and one in league play, and even with that season on his ledger, he was 20-44 and 44 as the head coach. You've got to go all the way back to John Makovic in the late 80s, early 90s, before he went to Texas, 22-9 and nine and 1. 22-9 and 1 is the head coach. But, like, you go through here, and these guys over the past two decades, it's not a question of finishing near 500. This isn't a rounding error. you got guys – Beckman's winning percentage was 16.7. Zook, 32.1. I mean, these guys are they were bad. Well, and it goes back to the point. That's why you see a lot of Illinois shirts, a lot of Illinois people around this area for this game. Kind of reminds you when we went 8-4 and four 12 years ago in 2010 and we went over to Jacksonville and played, this is a big game for them. They are excited to be here. Yeah, this is a team with a lot of zeros in the win column. When you start looking at the season-by-season years, they have been bad. So, yeah, that's why they're here. That's why they're happy to play. Um, One last thing I want to touch on, too, the impact of emotion. And I don't want to belabor the point. We we know the fact, we haven't talked about it yet, that uh, Mike Leach obviously passing away, not going to be here. Here in the hotel, there's a couple of places. It's not overdone at all. But I think by the entrance and then by the entrance to the team room, there's a flag, you know, with Mike and the pirate swords on it. I know there will be a lot of commemoration tomorrow. I mean, no, it won't be lost on the crowd that Mike Leach is not a part of the ball game and that he'll be appropriately remembered. I don't always know. I, I had a couple of people tell me, boy, we're going to be ready to play because they're going to play for Mike. I don't think it that simple. I think emotions are a lot more complex. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Even in adults, but certainly in 20-year-olds. Yeah, and, you know, you start thinking about how emotional you have some of these senior days when you play and how you come out and you may play flat because you're overly emotional. And that's what you got to guard against. And... um you know, hey, he's heavy on everybody's mind down here. I'm going to see a lot of those sweatshirts that have Stater written across the front of that black uh, that, uh, that black hoodie, and that's great. And, of course, he's one of the reasons that we're here. He is the, one of the main reasons we're playing in a really good bowl game this year. But uh, you, you do have to guard against some emotions in this game. Yes, yeah, so that would be something to watch. By the way, weather tomorrow will be good. Highest 79, lowest 67. All right be partly cloudy but no real chance of rain tomorrow so should be a good day to play football when will we get back together when we get back to town i would guess yeah we'll let's get to back put to a town bow on this season so we'll play tomorrow which is monday then on tuesday i don't know if it'll be tuesday coffee maybe like a tuesday afternoon tea because we're got to go back to the office we'll be back in the office on on tuesday yeah you may can scratch me on tuesday really the day job is going to have to kick in. Well, okay. We'll get together sooner, sooner or later kind of recap this Maybe Wednesday. One. Okay. Maybe Wednesday. Wednesday coffee. I may come early. How about that? 
I come early in the morning. Hey, one of the things we haven't talked about, I was stopped last night. I went to one of my favorite restaurants. One of my favorite restaurants in the country, to be honest with you, is Columbia, which is here in Tampa. It was, you know, started like 1905. I mean, it's been here forever, and I love that place. I love I, I And so I was standing out on the, on the sidewalk, and someone walked by me last night and says, Bart, I don't think if you're wanting to lose 40 pounds, this is a place you want to go. But I did get salmon that was stuffed with crab meat and some asparagus and some artichoke hearts. Thing. It was really good, Charlie. But So, anyway, I thought I ate well last night. And I will let you know, since last Monday, I have lost six pounds. Probably can't tell it, but I know it's water weight. It's, you have that early in the process. So, anyway, I have begun my, uh, my way to 40 pounds losing 40 pounds before April 15th. Okay. So... I am not prepared to disclose where I am, but I'll just say I'm feeling some positive momentum. Oh, really? I'm feeling some. I'm feeling some good vibes here. Not just about because it's not just about getting it off. It's about a lifestyle change, and so I'm I'm feeling good. Well, hey, let me tell you this. I like Tampa. I like Tampa. I like this area. I can hang out here. Yeah. You know, I come down to Tampa regularly, spring training, because you could set up here. You've got the Yankees, the Tigers, the Phillies, the Blue Jays, the Pirates. Orioles are right down there at yeah. Sarasota. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of teams here in close range. It's a good place to be, good place to win a football game. So that's our Tracks Plus Deep Dig. Special thanks to our friends at Tracks Plus Farm Bureau, Two Brothers Smoke Meats, and you know, I saw Matt Wyatt walk through a minute ago, and I can't think about Matt Wyatt without thinking about our friends at Country Pleasing, too. Man, I have lived off of Country Pleasing. So, I'm still eating that on my diet, Charlie. I mean, well, you, you know, I talked to Matt about that, as a matter of fact, because he lost weight eating Country Pleasing every day. Did he really? He did. He does his breakfast every morning. Well, I'm going to take his plan. And, uh, hey, he seems as qualified as anybody. So anyway, thanks for hanging out. We'll be back with you later this week. Bulldogs in Illinois tomorrow in the Rely Quest Bowl.